0: Everybody and welcome to Mom Cooks Fast and Slow. I'm Alex Sullivan, and I'm delighted to have you at my kitchen table. Today, I have Allison Schechter with me to discuss functional medicine. Allie is a registered dietitian-nutritionist and a lifetime best friend of mine. We discuss how functional medicine looks at and treats the whole person versus traditional medicine, how important food is when it comes to mental and physical health, and Allie's own personal battle with Crohn's disease and how she has managed to tame it now for 13 years. In a time when chronic disease in America is increasing significantly, I thought this was a super interesting and informative conversation to have. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Allie. Welcome to Mom Cooks Fast and Slow. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. We have been friends forever, probably since we're about six years old. Um, Mm -hmm. And we lived together after college, together in the city, and we had so much fun. And we've been such a big part of each other's lives. Um, And you are an RDN, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, and you have now gotten involved with Grover Health, which is a functional medicine uh group. And so I wanted to have you on because I have found that my friends, um, a lot of people, you know, in our area have been turning to functional medicine. Um because they've become a little bit disillusioned with regular medicine, it feels like you know, that stuff is becoming a bit like a factory and functional medicine Mm. feels like it more looks at people on, from like a whole person perspective and kind of seems like new wave medicine. Um, So I thought it'd be fun to have you on to kind of talk about what is functional medicine, what you do as an RDN. So, you know, maybe we could start there, you know, give a bit of your qualifications and your background and then how you got involved in functional medicine.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about this because it's, I mean, it's my job, but it's also like a passion project of mine. Um, so I am, yes, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. And the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist is a dietitian, you have to go through kind of this formal school. So I went to NYU for clinical nutrition. You have to then do a certain amount of clinical hours in a hospital um, within the community setting as well. Um, and then graduate and take a dietetic exam. Um, so it's just a little bit more, I would say, regulated than a nutritionist yeah, title. Rigorous so nutritionist? Yeah, rigorous. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and it's just more, more formal, uh, testing too. Um, and there are certain jobs you can do as a dietitian that you can't do as a nutritionist, like work in a hospital or a nursing home, et cetera. Um, so after school, I did a dietetic internship at New York Presbyterian. And that in, at Cornell uh, campus on 16th in New York. And then I worked there for about two years until I moved to Michigan. And I worked as the surgical step down dietitian. So, what I did is after people had certain surgeries and they were weaning back onto food, I was kind of the dietitian for that floor of just overseeing that whole process. And a lot of them happened to be uh, gastrointestinal related surgeries. So, that is, you know, my personal passion as well. And so I got very into that and I became the diet, the uh, gastrointestinal preceptor for the younger dietetic intern. So, help teaching them about um, the whole gastrointestinal tract. But what um, then moved to Michigan and transferred over to more of a functional medicine role, which is a total different beast than conventional medicine. And you, hit the nail on the head is like functional medicine. We look at the person as a whole. Um, And the biggest difference is where conventional medicine, you are siloed a little bit in terms of like the system that you specialize in. So a gastrointestinal doctor specializes in only things related to the GI tract. Endocrinologist is hormones. So if you have a stomach ache and you have diabetes, you have two separate doctors for those things. In functional medicine, we look at how those things interplay with each other, um, and we look at how your hormones are affected by your GI system, as well as how your GI system is then also affected by your hormones. So you kind of just look at how everything interplays with each other.
0: Got it, okay. and so walk me through kind of, you know, if I'm a person and I'm having issues within my body, maybe I'm having chronic stomach aches or, you know, my anxiety is super high and it's causing headaches all the time. You know, if I come Mm -hmm. to a functional medicine group such as yourselves, what does that first session look like? Like, And what does the kind of path of a patient look like in functional medicine?
1: Yeah, that's a a
0: really good question.
1: And The path is different for everyone, and that's also one of the unique things about functional medicine is it's definitely not a cookie-cutter approach. We take individual routes with each patient. Um, But in general, so the first uh, assessment, we call it, with the doctor and myself, it lasts about 90 minutes, so it's an hour and a half. And we really just sit and go deep into your past, um, your current symptoms, when those symptoms started. Was there anything stressful or monumental happening in your life at that time? And really talk about things all the way back to how were you born? Were you vaginally delivered versus C-section? Because that affects your microbiome. We look at where you bottle fed or breastfed. We look at um, the your use of antibiotics as a kid, because we know that now, in hindsight, like taking a lot of antibiotics um, doesn't necessarily set our microbiome or our Are the bacteria in our gut in our gut up for uh, the most resilience as we progress into adulthood? So we look at all of those things. We talk a lot about how are you with setting boundaries with certain people in your life. We talk about really everything, and then also, of course, dive into symptoms. So if you have headaches, what time do those headaches come? What are you doing surrounding your headaches? Um, What makes them feel better? Like, have you been able to pinpoint anything? So. Really deep diving deep into what's going on with the patient, and then we go through a, we talk through, okay, here are the um, functional medicine tests and conventional medicine tests that we typically do. A lot of times, you know we do blood tests, of course, but then we also do stool testing, which helps us look at different parts of your microbiome, as I talked about before. Is there certain abundance of some bacteria that shouldn't be there and less bacteria of the good bacteria. Uh, Do you have, are you missing certain parts that are integral in your digestive system that we can see from like, what does essentially, what does your poop look like? Mm -hmm. Um, What's in your poop, what's missing from your poop, et cetera. Um, We also look at urine testing, which helps us with hormones Um, looking at, you know, when does your cortisol spike? Like when you go to sleep at night, um, is your cortisol high or is it low? Well, it should be low. It should spike in the morning, progressively go down. Um, but your urine test will be able to tell us what does that cortisol curve look like. Um, and we do, you know, mold testing. We can do a whole uh, suite of tests. And we really pick and choose based on, again, what your symptoms are, um, what we think is going to give us the most bang for your buck, because a lot of it's out of pocket. So it's it can get pretty pricey. Um, and then From a dietitian perspective and a nutritionist where I come in is how can I support your healing journey through food? So sometimes that looks like making sure all of your meals have the appropriate amount of fat, protein, fiber in them to give you the building blocks to then balance your hormones better. Or let's say um, the timing of your meals. Um, and helping you even with people with insomnia, that's like a big thing of helping them. Like, what are some good meals that you can have right before bed to help prevent any drop in blood sugar that could cause you to be waking up in the middle of the night and causing insomnia. So things like that. And then once, um, so that's our 90 minute assessment. Then we develop kind of a customized plan. After your tests come back, we meet again, usually for about an hour with myself and the doctor. And we say okay. Here are your test show, and here's how we see kind of the roadmap of your healing journey with us going. And sometimes that includes supplements. Sometimes that doesn't. Sometimes that includes medication at t- times. Sometimes that includes referrals out to more conventional doctors if there's something more alarming that we see. Um, so it's a really, uh, like I said, unique
0: process. Gotcha. And then you know, with the idea of supplements and handling mm-hmm. things more based on food or you know, your mental health and things like that, it sounds a lot like homeopathy. And I was just wondering what kind of the difference is between functional medicine and homeopaths. Yeah. So f- I don't know a ton about... Ho- I mean,
1: I know some of home- what homeopathy is, but um, I, I don't know 100% what they do and what their process looks like. From my understanding, homeopathy... If you think of um, conventional medicine on one end of the spectrum and homeopathy on the other, um, they do mostly and only natural healing where we fall in kind of in that middle. So when it's called integrative medicine, like that's exactly what it is, is we integrate both conventional medicine uh, perspective, but also parts of homeopathy as well. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Um. So you had mentioned that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of specialized in gastrointestinal disease in New York. Is that right? So did that, I mean, did that have a lot to do with, was it late in our high school career or was it after college? I actually can't remember when. You got diagnosed with Crohn's yourself.
1: Yeah, I got diagnosed in college. Um, in looking, college. Okay. Yeah, looking back, I definitely had symptoms probably my whole life, but at the time, um, I, I you know, I think I think doctors just didn't know as much. I mean, that makes me that makes us sound so so old, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so I mean, can you talk a little bit about your experience with Crohn's disease and how? I mean, I remember when we were living together, and I was actually like very painful. And it was this whole process that you were going through. And then now I feel like you don't even have it anymore because you've gotten it so under control. So could you kind of talk about that experience and how it went from really, you know, unmanageable to like, I don't even think you have it anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really, (laughs) and and my, at my most recent, um, colonoscopy, the gastrointestinal doctor was like, are you sure you had Crohn's? Because, Mm -hmm. um, all my inflammation is completely gone. But Um, yeah, so it, um, like I said, growing up, I, I think I had some symptoms, um, probably all along. I, you know, was always constipated. I used to get sick all the time. I think you remember, like, I was just like always snotty. Like I was just like, (laughs) of snot just like always coming out. Um, I was always cold, like free. I, you know, I, I didn't like going swimming. I didn't, I was always freezing. So all of these things are, um, related to like poor circulation because of inflammation going on in your gut. Um, and the constipation because you're just, your gut's not functioning the way it should be. Um, and then, uh, but again, I didn't know any of this. And then, um, I also had a really poor diet growing up. So my mom was a great cook, but she wasn't a healthy cook, I should say. Um, and cooked a lot of, um, Yeah. And and I was a gymnast um, for my whole life. So a lot of my meals were on the go and they were a lot of fast food. Um, And so I just didn't have a great diet. So coming to college, um, probably that was all exacerbated by college lifestyle. Um, (laughs) And then I was on a trip in Mexico, actually, with my friends for spring break freshman year. And I I thought my appendix burst because it was that painful. And I was so doubled over in pain Um, and vomiting. And then Uh, came back to New York to get um, kind of assessed by gastrointestinal doctors and then realized that that's when I was diagnosed with Crohn's. For a bunch of years, I just tried to manage it through medication. Um, And it got to the point where the doctors wanted to put me on steroid medication. And that's when I was like, okay, this just, you know, I, I think I was you know, 21 or 22. And I was like, I don't
0: Yeah. Want- I think it was right around the time when we were living together. Yeah. Like, I exactly. remember you going through this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I just, right. So um, there's a, a pretty popular book that came out at that time called wheat belly. Um, and it's about gluten and processed gluten and kind of the evolution of how gluten has been processed in since industrialization. And then how, gluten is uh, digested in our bodies and how it's related to autoimmune conditions, but particularly inflammatory bowel disease, which Crohn, Crohn's falls in that category. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to try to cut out gluten. You know, this was 19, 15 years ago, so it was, you know, a lot harder to cut out gluten at that time. It wasn't as gluten-free friendly um, as today is. And I, I definitely tried and failed a bunch of times, just tried. And then, you know, we would go out and then I would be like, let's get pizza. That like <laughs> that, would, that would go out the window. Um, and then finally, I, I kept having these flare ups where I would be, I would have to call out of work and I was, you know, it was horrible. Um, so I said, you know, I'm really going to give it a shot. And I was, it took probably about six weeks to eight weeks of really being gluten free. And then all of a sudden I just felt different. Like everything felt. Um, less tender is, I guess is the right word. Like I I just felt like Mm -hmm. before anything I would put in my body, just hurt. It just hurt. And that pain went away. And that really was the first time that I was exposed to like, wow, the power of food, but also how little conventional medicine knows about food. You know, I was going Mm -hmm. to like the Mm -hmm. top GI doctor at Mount Sinai. And he would tell me there was no correlation between Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and diet. And I, it just, that blew my mind that like, how could you say that? Um, Right. And yeah, so that really, and so now um, I really, so I've been gluten-free since then. So it's been probably, uh, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years. Um, I, I pretty much eat almost everything else. um, But I really just care about like the quality of the ingredients I eat. So I really try not to eat any, um, high inflammatory oils like things that are in like super processed foods even the gluten-free products i choose like i try to pick ones that are made with more like whole grains as opposed to a gluten-free product made with like potato starch or rice starch or things like that Mm -hmm. um and definitely tons of inflammatory fats and i try to take you know get wild caught fish to get that inflammatory fats, um, cook with olive oil. So really just trying to keep everything like as clean as possible. Um, But I don't restrict anything else in terms of food groups.
0: So let me ask you a question. And this is, I feel like this is sometimes like a, like, can I ask this question or can I not? But, you know, it seems like Americans have way more of these autoimmune disease, chronic illnesses going on than Europeans, mm-hmm. and part of me feels like you know, as is so. When I think of Crohn's disease, I'm like, did you get Crohn's disease because it was genetic and you were going to get it anyway, or did you have like a DNA marker that said you may get it, you may not, and then you know Americans eat like absolute shit, yeah. excuse my yeah. language, and and it like activated that gene in your body. Like, is there you know? it seems like we have so many more of these illnesses in our environment right Mm -hmm. now. And part of that I'm sure is diagnosis. We're actually like diagnosing things now. But is it that we have become such a lazy society in how we prepare our foods that we're also doing it to ourselves? Like how do you kind of mix all of those things together in the result of what we're seeing now today?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, I I don't know if there's a a definite answer, but from my experience and learning, I think there's, there's like a genetic predisposition towards certain, this is how it is, at least with autoimmune conditions, uh, a genetic genetic predisposition to a disease. um, And then it has to be activated by like an environmental factor or multiple. And so that could be diet, poor diet. That could be Mm -hmm. stress. Induced that could be um, what we're seeing now is like infection related. So a lot of people coming in with autoimmune conditions since COVID. You need that environmental and genetic factor to kind of happen at the sa- at the same time to create like a perfect storm of of getting the condition. I think um, to your question, like us versus Europe, we have such uh, more loose regulations in what can be allowed in our food. And then mm-hmm. Europe does, I know a lot of that has to do with money and like food industry lobbying. So like the corn industry lobbying mm-hmm. for things to have high fructose corn syrup in them, uh, the soy uh, companies, the dairy, like the big, you know, big pharma, all of it, you know, um, I think right. we don't even like fully appreciate actually how much of that goes into it. Um, I took a class in yeah. at NYU called Food Politics with Marion Nestle, who is like mm the guru of all gurus of this stuff. Um, and you know, and it's just, it's, it's actually mind boggling how much, um, how much lobbying goes into everything. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And I also think there's a cultural shift of, I mean, when I tell people that I cook every night, people look at me, I have 10 heads. They're like, yeah. well, what do you mean you cook yeah. every night? You know? And, and I'm one of those people I feel that like, look at you and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, it's helpful when you cook your own food. Cause like you said, like you're trying to avoid certain things. And if you're cooking your own food, it's much easier okay. to avoid those things. Cause you know exactly what's going into your food yeah. um, versus having to read the label of everything you buy of what's in it. And...
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think cooking is, you know, I, I hardly cook and I think so much of that is because it just wasn't a priority in my family. And I think you had the opposite experience. It was such a priority for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to be so – I'm trying to be more conscious of because, you know, that's how it gets passed down. You know, I want my kids to right. learn to appreciate and learn to like cooking and appreciate food um, in a way that I, I didn't or don't, I should say. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so when you – so you're going through all of this with your patients. You know, what is the feedback yeah. – from patients from both a perspective of, you know, when they're either cured or like how long that process takes, but also how you tell people who have families and kids and busy lives how to do this stuff. Because it's easy when you tell a single person living in New York City, like, okay, this is what you need to do to change your diet. Like that's a pretty easy request. Mm -hmm. When you're telling, you know, a mom who has three kids running around and a husband traveling for work or whatever, it's a lot harder of a request. So, you know, how do you, how, how what is patient feedback with the plans that you kind of set yeah. for them,
1: um, so it, it totally depends on the patient. Um, I would say the the one thing that we struggle with, and I think probably functional medicine and integrated medicine struggles with in general, is um, it takes you know it's it takes a long a long time to heal, and it takes to heal yeah. in um, in a way that you know lasts and gets to that quote unquote root cause. Um, I think we're so conditioned to like get immediate results from something. And whether that mm-hmm. results is like weight loss or pain relief or whatever it is, or, like we take a pill and we're, we're better. And I think we're trying to kind of like rewire those expectations a little bit for people and explain, you know, it's taken you 30, 40, 50, 60 years to get to where you are now. It's just, it's going to take time.
0: Right. Um, I that Sorry, yeah. just to – break you up. But that's like such a function of our generation is like, we want everything now, now, now. Like there's, it's like instant gratification or it's a failure. Absolutely. And I think with a lot of stuff in life, it's like, no, you actually need to work pretty darn yeah. hard at things for a long time for it to actually result in something long lasting and fulfilling and good yeah, for you. Absolutely.
1: So no, no, no. You're hundred you percent yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. It really is. Um, you know, so we're working, like, we're trying to set people's expectations better to understand that it's a longer route, but it's, it's just hard to, to do that. Um, and then your are what was your other question?
0: Oh, how you help people with, like, crazy family lives, oh. you know.
1: Yes. Okay. So um, a lot of it is trying to do, like, small changes at a time. So looking at, and this is where um, I really love my job in functional medicine versus what I was doing in clinical um, inpatient in the hospital when you would see 25 people a day and I had five minutes to talk to you now, like we can chat for an hour and we can go through like, you know, an hour by hour minute, like play by play of your day. Mm. And let's look at what are some like low hanging fruit to try to make small changes. And once people start making small changes and see their success, they're more likely to kind of like roll and add more, add more in. Um, but something as simple as, like, you know, having, telling someone, okay, you, inst- I, I get it's more expensive, but instead of buying all this, these vegetables at a grocery store that you're never gonna use, buy them pre cut. Buy them pre cut in packages and bring them home and put them in your fridge. And then when you're baking your kids' food, Put, put them out. And so instead of you kind of snacking and picking up their French fries or their chicken fingers or whatever, you're picking up a, ca- a piece of carrot, a celery. Um, and even if you end up picking up a chicken finger too, you're having one chicken finger because you're also having, busying yourself with the carrots and the celery. Mm-hmm. And it's just about kind of like, how do you fit things into people's lives in a way that seems manageable to them? And isn't this like complete life overhaul? Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, I mean, what are, what are some of the feedback from patients? Like what, you know, what experiences you have you had as, you know, in the environment you're in?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, it's really exciting when you get good feedback. Um, I think people, I think people really appreciate that we take the time, like people aren't used to that. Um, and I, being a mom of like two young kids myself, I, I, I get it and I think people a lot of times come and feel like as a dietitian I'm gonna be judging them. Like mm. and that's one of the things I say like, right off the bat. There is zero judgment here and I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Like if you like I have a wedding this weekend and like if you see me I'm gonna have like a couple of margaritas and you know <laughs> what I mean? Like no one's right. perfect um and i there's zero judgment and i get it and it's way more important for you to be honest with me so i can like actually help you right. um than for you to feel judged and there will never be judgment um but that being said like you know even giving people options of like i don't love protein bars but i get it if you're on the road and you're traveling three out of the five days a week, like you're not going to be able to grow your own spinach (laughs) like outside. It's just not going to happen. So like, what are some cleaner protein bars or how do you look at, let's like, let's learn how to even like look at food labels and understand like what a food label is. So when you're at an airport, you can make a better decision. Um, Yeah. So I think people just really appreciate the fact that like, I try to meet them where they're at. That's like a lot of, a lot of the feedback I get.
0: So that kind of leads into my next question, this idea of no judgment, because I love that because, you know, I know when I go to the doctor and they're like, how many drinks a week do you have? And you're like, two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, it's definitely more than two. Uh, um, a day or a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, eating disorders. I mean, there is, especially with social media and stuff like that, you just see, I mean, you see people pushing Eating disorders on both ends of the scale. Like morbidly obese, this is okay. And so skinny, you look like a skeleton, it's creepy, this is okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, part, part of it is that like society has become more accepting. And it's like we shouldn't judge people on the way that they look. And like I'm I'm all in on that. But also, people need to be healthy just for like life. And and you want people to live their best lives. And when you're on either end of those scales, like that's not living a healthy life. So Mm -hmm. how do you, I guess, work with a person who has an eating disorder? And obviously there's a mental aspect to that. So are you working with A mental professional as well? Like, do you work closely with that mental health professional, or are you saying, okay, like this is the diet I think you should have? And now, like, if that's gonna give you a problem, like you should speak to your mental health professional about, like, what is that relationship when you come across eating disorders?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, So I have some but limited experience with working with patients with eating disorders. We had to do um, a rotation in our internship um, at a mental health hospital. Um, but that was, that's pretty much the, the extent of it. So if I, but you, you are trained to know like, what are some red flags, right? And how you kind of get, uh, an understanding from someone about an eating disorder, um, and how much their obsession with food is affecting their life. If it's, if it is a serious eating disorder, like really diagnose eating disorder to the point where like they fit like certain criteria of, you know, the DSM um, mm. or something that I feel is out of my scope, I will absolutely refer out um, and refer to either a eating disorder special, like a, a dietitian certified in eating disorders mm,
0: okay. or,
1: a, um, a ther- or a therapist or probably both. Um, if it's more of, so we, I have, um, a lot of patients that have a history of trauma, um, mm-hmm. and that trauma being um it doesn't have to be like what you think of as kind of like this like a huge trauma, but just like emotional um trauma that they have. And sometimes that involves food because a lot of our trauma is around in our childhood and around mealtime and things like that. Um if that if that's the case and it's not as much of like a restriction or binge eating disorder, um, mm-hmm. we actually have what we call a somatic practitioner um, on our staff. She's a nurse and she's certified in somatic work. And so what that is, is really like retraining how we wire the brain and we, how we interpret some of our past experiences. Um, that's so again, not something I am certified to do, but that she is on staff at Grover health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And so working with myself, again, I will work more on like, how do you get, how do I make sure you get the building blocks and the nutrients to do that work? Mm -hmm. And then she'll kind of pick up on actually physically doing that type of rewiring work. But again, and she'll also refer out to a more specialized therapist if needed.
0: Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But
1: it's it's tough. I mean, it's so tricky. And I know, you know, so many people always ask why I'm not more of a like I don't have more of a presence on social media as a dietitian. Mm. And I just like can't get myself to do it. I just yeah. I just think you're I just I feel like I'm contributing to this
0: mm-hmm.
1: noise that it's just yeah, it's 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 a tough one.
0: Yeah, I I I am right there with you. I I think I actually think social media is causing a lot of people to have stress and have autoimmune diseases. Like yeah. I I know that sounds so silly, but you know, people are so much more stressed out and anxious because of, like you said, the constant noise. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to put it away. I mean, that's, I mean, you know me, I'm I'm barely on social media. I just do it to have people listen to these long-winded conversations that I think are way more important than the five-second snippets that yeah. you see online. But um, yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and also, you know, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring this conversation on this podcast with you is like, you know, I think family and community are so important and a lot of these eating issues or autoimmune diseases, they couldn't, they can tear families apart. Like if someone is that upset or sad or, or just not comfortable in their own body and Mm -hmm. like how they're eating, that can really hurt you know, a family dynamic. And so I just think it's important to bring stuff like this to light and to talk about it. And thankfully one of my best friends is an expert in it. So, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, me. Um, is having there anything me. else that you wanted to mention, I guess, about what you do or functional medicine in general or I mean, I assume yeah. there's I know you're in Michigan, so most mm-hmm. of my listeners were probably not be able to go to you specifically, but I assume there's functional medicine, you know, in in Connecticut and all over. Yeah.
1: There's, it's all over. Um, you know, it it is like a little bit of the wild west of a, Mm -hmm. um,
0: there's just, everything's just so
1: new, which again is like super exciting, but it's also just, um, I, I think like, I, have just seen a lot of patients too get like burned from, um, -hmm. and waste a lot of money on certain functional medicine practitioners. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would, I would say if, like one of the biggest things is that is like really go off like your instinct and like whether or not you vibe with someone and whether or not you're getting a good feeling about them. And if you're not, Mm -hmm. then like listen to that. Like really, I mean, that should be in all aspects of your life. But like definitely um, if someone that's trying, you're trying to heal from. Um, And then, you know, I I, definitely something that's going to consider like the least amount of supplements the better, and I think that supplements are absolutely warranted at, at a certain point. But I think a lot of functional medicine has gotten so supplement heavy, um, mm. and the like supplements you know can only do so much, and it just right. that in and of itself can get be very overwhelming and a huge burden on mm. people. When someone tells you you have to take five supplements before each meal, and then five supplements during each meal, and then five supplements after a meal, and then ten before bed, like you're just like, well, I, right. You know, and right, and right. so just just listen to your gut and um, yeah. And I and I'm certified as a dietitian. I'm certified, and I kept my certification in New York State, so um, not in Connecticut. Oh. But if anyone's yeah. in the New York New York State area, um, and if not, I have like a pretty big network in the East Coast, so you can always reach out to me, and I could try to find someone, the right person.
0: Awesome, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we could do you could do telehealth telehealth for anyone in New York. Yeah, and, uh, totally cool. Um, well, Allie, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you one last question that I ask everyone that comes on our podcast mm-hmm. and that is, what is your favorite family tradition and why?
1: Ooh.
0: Oh, this <laughs> is a hard one, um,
1: I would, so my, so I, my family, we or celebrate across the gamut of holidays, Jewish and Christian. Um, and one of the things that we do is do like quote unquote Christmas pajamas the day, but, you know, it's very like cheesy the thing you do. You I love know, on we Christmas, do Christmas Eve. pajamas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what I, what I love about it is that, um, we try to make it like, usually it's the youngest of the grandchildren that has an opinion. So like, my daughter is six months old. She obviously is not going to have an opinion this year. But my sister uh, has a son who's two. So he's the young – so whoever that person is, like, has, gets to pick kind of what the theme is of it. So it's not necessarily Christmas. Okay. So last year was trucks because, like, okay. we had – so So we, had, we had just, like, all everyone in red truck pajamas. And, like, <laughs> the year before, my niece was so obsessed with um, unicorns. Oh, no. Yeah. One year was unicorns. One year was dinosaurs. So it was like finding these pajamas that were like completely head-to-toe dinosaurs. Um, oh, but it's just gosh. fun. And then we all like keep them forever. So like you just have these memories. And when you look at those pajamas, it takes you back to that time. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just really that's special. That's so fun. Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah, and that's cute. like makes the youngest kids like appreciate that tradition right away. Like you yeah. don't have to grow into like – immediately they're in charge that's so sweet i love that i didn't yeah. know you guys did that yeah it's that's really adorable nice. yeah yeah um all right well thank you so all much right. allie this is so nice having you on thank you for
1: having me yeah all right I'll all see right you. bye